0: Hi everyone, this is Nick Pollock here from Roar Lions, Roar, joined by my co-host and I, Matt P- Matt Filipets, and we're going to talk right off the top here about Matt. Just told me can Can you please tell the people what you paid for four f- or five years of corn five. in Chicago today?
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't today. It was a couple of days ago, um, okay. but in the Midwest, it's it's corn harvesting time. Um, And I, for five ears of corn, I paid $0.35 at the grocery store today. (laughs) Or not today, whenever I bought it, a couple days ago. Um, And I'm like, I'm I'm okay. Like, I'm healthy. Like, I don't think the corn is going to, like, is going to kill me. Like, the only thing corn killed this week is Nebraska. I don't even (laughs) know if that joke makes sense, but Scott Frost got fired. Um, Yeah, and I told Nick that story. And, uh, Nick, what's the price of corn in Seattle? Do you know offhand? Oh,
0: man, I don't even know the last time I bought corn. I mean, I bought a can of corn today. Um, I did walk by the ears of corn but that was not on my mm. list today so I did not purchase mm. um but if it was cert- five
1: cents it was five cents an ear you would have bought some it,
0: it was certainly more than five or seven cents an ear I can guarantee that um True. you know real quick before we well first of all how are you doing aside from the corn how are you doing
1: oh I'm great it was a it was a big day for for Penn Staters in the NFL this Sunday man currently Jahan's still is two yeah. yeah and a game winner Saquon over 100 Sanders got back in the end zone um, Parsons has a couple sacks at the time of recording. It's not even halftime of that Sunday night game. Mm-hmm. Um, Anything else really major happen for for Penn Staters in the NFL?
0: Um, well, let see. Connor Stout McGovern got well. Connor McGovern got the start. He had to leave due to injury, but he did get the start mm-hmm. for Dallas. Yeah, Stout punted very well. I think it was like some like forty six or forty eight yards per punt, something like that. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't see anything about oh, Brisker. Brisker fumble. Brisker recovered a fumble. For my, for recovered my a fumble. Yeah. Um, I saw some national NFL reporter I saw also tweeted that they were predicting that Briscoe would lead, um, the NFL rookies this year in interceptions, which, you know, fair he, he's, nice. he's a baller. Um, yeah, it's been a really, I, if you're watching on YouTube right now, yes, I am sporting my Saquon color rush Giants Jersey. Um, as I'm sure, you know, yes, I am a Seahawks fan, but I did grow, I did grow up in New Jersey, so I do have a soft spot for the Giants as well. So Saquon going there was a very happy moment for me um yeah i mean saquon before we even get into talking about the ohio game yeah saquon saquon's back man he he had a couple of years off where, you know just injuries constant nonstop. but he looks good
1: i agree very excited for him
0: um and you know i guess the last thing before we get into the ohio game really quickly scott frost are you surprised at the timing of this firing i mean losing to was it georgia southern they lost to georgia southern gata, yeah
1: first and foremost gata um I mean, his buyout got cut in half by, or yeah, got cut in half in the start of October. But with this new Big Ten media deal on the horizon, um, the seven and a half million matter to Big Ten teams anymore. Probably not. Um, I I would argue this proves that it doesn't anymore. Um, So I think that uh, that that maybe uh, puts you know coaches on the hot seat or in the lower echelon of the Big Ten. Um, I think it lights a fire in them that they have to get it right because now, I mean if seven and a half, if you waited, what is it? 20 days and you would have saved your, you know, your athletic departments seven and a half million dollars and you chose not to, um, that shows there's, there's big boy money uh, on the West side of the conference now.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, we can, we can talk in future podcasts about like potential targets for Nebraska. I kind of floated in our, in our Slack earlier that, you know, if this, if circumstances had been different in an alternate timeline where Joe Moorhead is still the offensive coordinator, at Oregon this year could have potentially been a really good hire for them going into next year. But obviously that's not the case. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about Scott Frost. We'll have plenty of time to do it. It's not like Nebraska is on the brink of hiring anyone. I would assume that, you know, they could have somebody lined up maybe that they've talked to, or at least discussed internally, but it most yeah. certainly probably won't happen until at least after um, black Friday or whatever date, firings usually happen now in college um but let's talk about penn state ohio you know penn state beat ohio 46 to 10 on saturday in happy valley um out ohio 572 yards to 264 no turnovers on, on either side which is kind of interesting to me um time of possession was about even it was thirty one fifty eight for penn state 2802 for ohio but overall you know it's and we'll, we'll talk about this in a second, a lot of good, we saw a lot of good things from Penn state, but the trouble and, you know, the tricky part of playing, you know, Ohio Ohio is not a good team. They're a lower rung group of five team. And the trouble is balancing and figuring out what you should be taking away from a game like this. And that's what we'll get into here. Um, so, you know, before we go any further, just from you, you know, what were, what was one of your big takeaways from this game?
1: It was what I wanted. If you listen to the preview pod with us, I, you know, I didn't ask for the shutout. I didn't ask for the hundred yard rusher. Uh, Great that we got at least the latter half of of that duo. Um, But I wanted to see dudes get experience. And I I know, Nick, you've been really interested in this stat. 17 dudes caught a pass for Penn State. the first player in this game, that's a number that I saw hasn't been hit in the Big Ten uh, this millennium. And I, I couldn't find confirmation that that record goes prior to that. Um, but I'm guessing it does. Like I'm guessing in, in the Big Ten especially. That is an absurd
0: number. That is crazy. And,
1: and I, I think it was really interesting that they started to get that train rolling early. Mm-hmm. Like the first guy to catch a pass for Penn State in this game was Jaden Dotton, who had never caught a pass in his Penn State career prior. And and if you even go back, I was high on Dotton as a recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he gets you know kind of phased out because the two guys in his class have been starting since they were true freshmen and Keandre oh. Lambert Smith and, and Parker Washington, but you know, good for him. But we, we saw the youth movement, like dudes along the offensive line, it got to rotate a ton Hunter Norzad played center. Um, I think that's going to be really interesting as they, you know, clearly have s- some things to shuffle. Like there were still, still bad blocking uh, worse pass blocking this week than last week. I thought, I don't know if that was just, you know, a little laziness up big on a, on an inferior opponent. Um, run lanes were definitely there, but you know this is what we were hoping for. You know, there's always room to improve, um, but overall, it was everything I wanted. Like a bunch of dudes got reps, and you know, mm-hmm. as college football heads towards what looks like another very chaotic season, um, I-, I feel very similarly uh, right now as I did two weeks into the season last year, where Penn State went on the road won a tight one over a big 10 West team, and then came home and beat a max school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, You know, if we can, if Clifford doesn't get hurt last year, who knows what that season is. And now they're building depth to have that safety net in case something like that happens again. Like I I couldn't be higher on Penn state than I am right now. I, I'm so much higher on them than at the start of the season. Like, you know, they're two for two, they're two for two and covering the spread. So they're clearly living up to or exceeding Vegas's expectation. And that's usually a pretty good barometer. So overall, I mean, again, how much can you really take away, you know, in terms of how well they played, you know, it's up for up for debate, but they still went out there and they executed. And that was the best performance they had against a a G5 team, uh, probably since like, Idaho 2019.
0: Yeah, in quite a while, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like you said, yeah, I think, If you listen to the pregame podcast or the um, the pregame live show, you know that there were kind of two main things that Matt and I combined wanted to see. And for me, I was really mostly focused on seeing um, just some crisp crispness, execute just perfect execution, not perfect, but good execution. Um, Just you know, overall stability from the first teamers, for lack of a better term. And I know, Matt, you were mostly interested in getting those second stringers and third stringers as many snaps as, can, as they can. And I think we saw both of those things. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. I think it actually looked a little different for as far as the first team goes than maybe I was expecting. And in retrospect, I, actually, I feel like I should have expected more receiver rotation early because i think if we look back that is especially the one area where franklin and his staff have been willing to shuffle guys in earlier than other places Mm -hmm. in games where they kind of know that you know it's ohio like they're going to win the game um so yeah i'm glad he pointed out Jaden dotton because i thought you know he's somebody that coming in as a recruit I think the the consensus was it seemed like he had a bright future but he came in you know pretty skinny pretty small mm-hmm. but we heard his name pretty much right off the bat like spring camp fall camp like we heard his name mentioned and the the consensus around him seemed to be like yeah he he's clearly has the ball skills but maybe his the size just he's it's just like a couple steps away and I think we saw this weekend yes it was Ohio but the things that he did I don't think were things that he can only do against a group of five team. like he sh- I think he showed that he's ready to be part of this rotation
1: if the staff didn't think he was he wouldn't have been out there on the first series mm-hmm. I think that's a fair assessment I mean there's clearly guys that need more time to develop I think that's where you know the Caden Saunders Liam Cliffords come in but I mean I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about what's likely going to be like the sixth receiver for Penn state, but it is cool to see a guy like that. Um, And I I think that's a sign the staff sees a bigger role. Um, And I think that's a step in the right direction for the way the staff views younger guys in Mm -hmm. general. Like I think Penn state has always been very protective of their young guys. And um, I think at this point now it's all right. If you, if we think we can play you, let's get you those game reps and see how you perform. And then your role can expand as opposed to um, you know, you kind of having to earning it, in practice you still want them to earn it in practice but if you can earn it you know when the lights are brightest that's also a great chance for you to build your roster up a little bit more
0: Mm -hmm. yeah totally um to flip over to maybe less of a positive i i want to take a moment here to talk about the offensive line as you mentioned the the pass blocking was not great i think it was it was probably a bit worse than we saw in week one now i know I don't remember what the final sack number ended up at. Let's look here. I see I think one, it was three. Two, for, for three Cliff. Four, five total sacks. Okay. Yeah. And I'm three, I, know,
1: I think three for Cliff, one for Aller, one for Vayer.
0: That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. And and I know at the time when they put up the stat that there were three on Cliff. At least two of those. I think the blame belongs, you know, pretty even fifty fifty split between Cliff and the line itself. Um there were definitely at least at least two of those, I think, Cliff had opportunities to get rid of the ball and chose not mm-hmm. to. Um mm-hmm. so I don't think it's all on them. But I I don't think that this game did a whole lot to change my opinion of the offensive line. I think it is still I think it's fine. And I do think it is going to continue to improve, but the at least minor step pack step back in pass blocking this week was a bit discomfort I'm not going to say concerning but a bit discomforting um but I will say in the run game again I I think the I think the easy thing to think if you just look at this game on the grander scheme is wow Penn State rushed for 234 yards 6.9 yards to carry the run blocking must have been great no like a lot of that was just Singleton doing individual effort things
1: that second Singleton score was horrible blocking and you know Penn State has a dude back there now who can cover up that mistake
0: yeah like it I, I i think it was actually a little bit better than week 1 i think they're getting closer and closer to starting to push beyond the line the line of scrimmage in the run game i think they're getting okay. a little bit further downfield but overall i think it would be foolish to really totally alter your opinion of the line after this game as compared to week one. Like I think they're kind of in the same spot. Yes. Liam warmly had a really nice kickout block on that first long singleton touchdown, but that is right now the exception, not the norm. Mm -hmm. So I am, I mean, I'm fascinated about this upcoming Auburn game for a lot of reasons, but watching the offensive line in particular for me is, you know, and going forward, like is that's, that is going to continue to be the thing. Like that is the thing that is separating this offense from being really good or great and elite.
1: Yeah. I mean, if if we think back to the Penn state uh, ball state game and the Villanova game of last year, um, they, they they were winning. So I think we looked at things a lot differently. And I think going through that experience of 2021 has really shaped the way, at least I view 2022. Um, And to see that they didn't create all that drastic of a cause for concern, is a step forward, a minor one, and again, you're just trying to get one percent better along that offensive line every single week. This yeah. is not a finished product yet, and I think it's really, really great that they rotated a ton of, a ton of guys in. Um, what did we set our over/under at on our pregame show? Also, thank you to everyone who joined the pregame show. We had some awesome questions. That mm-hmm. was a, that was a ton of fun. Yeah. Um. So thank you to those who jumped in the chat on that. That was that was really fun. Um. But I think we set it at nine and a half, and I think we definitely hit ten because I know. Everybody I was looking for got in, and even some guys I didn't expect to, like J.B. Nelson got in. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think there's opportunities for that line to get better as more guys get ready. Um, I don't want to jump the gun here, but but Clifford had a quote after the game where the bar has been raised in the quarterback room by the talent, just the sheer talent that has entered um, the building. And I think Penn State's offensive line is trending in that direction as well. Drew Shelton, Vega Oane, second game of, co- of their college career, um, the, both guys who didn't even early enroll, they got in the game and played. They're physically ready. They have the talent to get on the field in an FBS game and not, you know, look horrible. And that's not something Penn State has had for a long time. So I think as the floor, you know, gets elevated in that offensive line room, and I think that floor is going to keep raising as those young guys get better in their first year on campus, their second year on campus, uh, I think we're going to slowly see that group come along. But again, you know, how much do you really want to take away um, from an Ohio game? I, I don't know, but I don't think you can knock them all that much, if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Um, flipping over, so we just quick preview. We will talk just a little bit more about, um, you know, what we think we can take away this from this game that is, you know, real about the team going forward. And we're going to talk a little bit about the running back room. And yes, we will talk about Sean Clifford and Drew Aller before we get to that, because just cause I don't think there's as much to talk about concerning it. I want to briefly touch on the defense. Um, so like I said, Ohio only 264 offensive yards on the day. Um, no turnovers for either side. So nothing, you know, big in the game changing department that way. Penn state only had one sack. It was Johnny Dixon. Um, Tackles for loss. Let's see if we have one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, five. I can't count. We have five tackles for loss, and then we had nine passes defended. So there were flashes of things on defense. And I, I thought, in particular, Adisa Isaac, Hakeem Beeman, and Chop Robinson were guys that, you know, necess- didn't necessarily put up big numbers, but were guys that, to me, just are looking more and more comfortable with every single snap, and I think that's important. But I think something that Penn State fans watching this game may have been thinking is, wow, Ohio is getting a lot of open looks over the middle of the field. And this is something that we talked about in the preseason, like, Manny Diaz is going to bring pressure. He is going to blitz a lot, and it is going to lead to Penn State giving up more points and yards than they probably have been accustomed to doing under Brent Pry. I'm wondering what you think as far as has what we've seen from Manny Diaz's defense so far, particularly this week. Is there any kind of twinge of doubt in your mind that... You know, are you feeling like maybe they could end up getting burned a bit too often by sending extra pressure against teams like Ohio State or, you know, JJ McCarthy for Michigan looks pretty good. Like he could be somebody who could take advantage of stuff like that, especially with how mobile he is or just I'm just curious how you're feeling about it overall
1: um one guy I want to make sure I give a shout out to since you mentioned guys in the defensive line who played well I mean Vanover with Mm -hmm. Smith Vilbert out Vanover is making a name for himself I really like what I saw out of him I like how he doesn't put his hand in the dirt I like how he's just a stand-up edge rusher I think those kind of players are becoming more common in football and, and I like what I saw out of him um shout out to him for that uh that forced fumble essentially that he caused that led to a safety yeah that was that was a really great play from Again, one of those development guys that the program brought in, and and, just big shout out to him. But as for the Manny Diaz of it all, they're still learning. Like Mm -hmm. in their last five quarters, Penn State's allowed seventeen points, and one of those was to a Purdue team that, honestly, by if the way things shook out this past weekend, you know, hold Purdue might be the best team in the Big Ten West. Big Ten West looks awful, and everyone else around them looks terrible. Mm -hmm. So. I think it's still learning. Like, would I like to see more? Of course, but they're they're not they're not allowing the back breaking plays that I think I've come accustomed to. Cause I think when when Pry would bring pressure, those were the moments that teams would just throw those screen passes or the dink routes and they would score and Penn State would end up blowing a fourth quarter lead. Mm-hmm. I don't think you know Diaz's defense is built like that. So I'm not concerned yet. Again, it's something I definitely want to make sure we're we're watching. I don't love that Penn State has, like, what, four sacks on the year, and two of them are by Johnny Dixon, mm-hmm. uh, who got the start, so good for him. Like, he's, yeah. he's played his way into a starting role. Um, but o- overall, I'm not concerned just, just yet, but it definitely is something I want to make sure we're keeping an eye on. And I think that as Adisa Isaac, Hakeem Beeman, Chop, PJ, get more comfortable back out there, because, again, this is relatively a- new for all four of them. And same thing for the linebackers outside of Curtis Jacobs. So uh, I'm going to give a little bit of grace to that front seven because, again, they're holding teams uh, to not much, you know, rushing the football. And primarily that's what killed Penn State last year. And the defensive backs have been stepping up. So I think once everybody really feels comfortable in that Diaz defense, then I think we can really start seeing the turnovers we've been dying for.
0: I think it also and the plays have been there. The yeah. yeah, yeah. No,
1: should have had a pick today. Yeah. Keith yeah. I should have had a pick on Saturday.
0: I think it also really helps that this is probably the best tackling secondary Penn State has had under James Franklin. Um, Big time. You know, maybe Keaton Ellis, uh, maybe it's up for grabs as far as where he ranks on the list. But we we know Jair Brown is a fantastic tackler. But more importantly, Joey Porter Jr. and Kalen King, you know, have been consistently praised as maybe the two best tacklers on the defense, like position notwithstanding, like especially Kalen King. We've heard his name frequently mentioned as the best tackler on the defense. And that's just not common to have your defensive backs be your best tacklers. So I, I think that's a great point is that Penn State, I don't think they're I don't think they're giving up those backbreaking plays. And I don't think they're going to give up those backbreaking plays because they have so much trust in their defensive backs ability to tackle, which is not a common thing on defenses. It's just, it's just not. Um, real quick, before we continue, want to give a quick shout out to our wonderful sponsors over at Homefield Apparel. If you have never visited Homefield Apparel before, first of all, what are you doing? Second of all stop what you're doing right now and go visit the website and check out all their wonderful t-shirts. Um, so we are in a partnership right now with them where if you have never visited the website or ordered from them before, you can use the code roar lines, roar all caps, all one word to check out for 15% off your first order. And boy, do you want to take advantage of that? Because they not only have fantastic Penn state gear, um, Penn state is forever. their all time. Big new Saturday leader for ever. It's over. It's done. We won. Um, but they also have amazing stuff from other schools as well. You know, And the same things that we talk about with Penn State, you know, when you look at the Penn State stuff, if you're a Penn State fan, you'll know immediately looking at their designs. You can tell, like, oh, wow, this is different. Like, this is not the same stuff that I see other places. It's like that with all the schools. Like, they take that same time and effort with every single school, every single line they do, including now their NFL stuff with the Indianapolis Colts. Like, the stuff that they made for the Colts, maybe not quite as unique as college football just because there's not as deep a history of like different logos and stuff like that with an NFL team, but beautiful stuff, beautiful apparel looks amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take the time to check it out. They're great friends of the podcast, great sponsor. We love working with them. Um, so once again, if you have not had the chance to do so already, go ahead and visit home field apparel, use the code roar Lions ROAR at checkout for 15% off of your first order. That's all caps, all one word, check out the Penn state stuff, Check out all the other stuff. Be like Matt. Have shirts from 18 different schools. It yep. looks great. It feels better. It's well worth your time. Let's talk about the Penn State running back room. It's good. Did Nicholas Singleton, or Nick, I'm not sure. I don't know if there's a consensus on whether he prefers Nicholas or Nick. As a, as a fellow heard, Nicholas. i both. As a fellow Nicholas, I know I prefer Nick, but, you know, not everyone's me. Um, has Nick Singleton done enough now? And, he oh, he did get the start in this game. Is he the surefire number one back in this backfield now?
1: No. Mainly because hmm. I don't know what that means. I don't know what number one back means in this context. Um, because, again, they still want to rotate their guys. Like, I, I think this game in, in a vacuum has to be looked at a bit differently because why give Kayvon Lee run? Get the freshman sure. more experienced, get them more comfortable. He had one carry and like one catch. And then from there, it was Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, and Devin Ford did some really fun stuff in, in what they used him, um, like the package they used him in. So I don't think it's it's official yet. I don't think we're really going to have a solid idea of who actually is the starter, if we want to put it that way. I think Singleton is going to continue to get the majority of the reps, But I don't think that means he's the lead back because I think that's going to really vary on the situation. But in terms of who gives them the best chance to move the ball efficiently, I think it's Singleton. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be games where Singleton gets the third most carries behind a Catron Allen or a Kayvon Lee just by nature of how the game's going. So I think Singleton is probably... If we want to call him... I don't know how I really want to word this. If we want to call him... Penn State's RB1, I don't think that means he's the lead dog in that pack.
0: Okay. Well, let me phrase it this way then. Next week against Auburn, who's the first running back out there?
1: I think it's Kevon
0: Lee. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Okay, let me pose a different alternative to you then. Let's say Penn State gets the ball on their 40 after a defensive stand, a decent punt. And they are down three midway through the first quarter. Which mm-hmm. running back are they putting on the field knowing that they need to go down and score to, you know, change the momentum in the game?
1: That's either a singleton or an Allen drive, I think.
0: Interesting. I'm fascinated about this. I'm fascinated about this Kevon Lee answer. Please tell me more.
1: About why you think he's a starter? Yeah. starter doesn't mean anything for these guys anymore. Like we're this Penn state backfield is not going to be like what we're used to because it can't be because you have the experience of Kayvon Lee, who I know a lot of us have our own little issues with him, but he's earned it. He caught the game winning touchdown pass on the road in the big 10. He's not going anywhere. Um, Singleton is a home run hitter that became abundantly clear. He has to do it against not Ohio. And Catron Allen did some good stuff when he got his opportunities, but again, he was not featured all that Most heavily. Most effective
0: because... screen pass of the decade for Penn State. For Catron. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a role
1: for him. Like, I I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of surprised you're as you're surprised by my answer that I don't think Singleton is going to be a guy who outsnaps everybody in every single game. Like I, I think Alan, is I'm not, a su- great I'm not surprised catcher.
0: by that. I'm not surprised by that. And I, I totally agree with your, um, with your sentiment that, you know, starter, it doesn't mean anything. I agree. I totally agree. Especially for running back. You know, I, I think for college running backs in particular, I think those guys at this point understand that NFL teams really value the lack of tread on your tires mm-hmm. when you get to the league. Yep. But I am interested. So when I hear, when i hear like when i think starter when i think first guy out on the field i don't think there's any offense coordinator that doesn't want to score on the first offensive possession to set the tone and to me i think it's pretty clear i think kevon lee offers probably more as a receiver than either singleton or keshron allen does right now but i think in order for penn state to be its best offensive self it does still involve some balance. And I think it's pretty clear that Nichol- 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 Nicholas Singleton is the best, you know, pure runner on the team. Like we saw him this week actually do more than what was just given to him by the blocking front. Like we saw him break some tackles, we saw him shimmy. So to me, like when I'm thinking the, op- the offensive coordinator wants to put his best chance to score out there right away, I'm thinking that Singleton. That's why I'm surprised at your answer
1: he does have another gear. I, I don't know. I I'm not ready to crown him after Ohio. Um, That's fair. That's totally which is, fair, which is it. And this is going to go in the wayside of a point I'm going to make when we discuss something else a little bit later. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, what's in what's in front of him. Like, I think Lee has been a productive collegiate back and I think running back is different um, than the other position we're going to talk about because you can still play other running backs, even if Singleton um, sure. is, is the lead guy.
0: Yeah. Before we get to our our final big topic here, um, really quick, I do just want to run down, like we said, 17 guys caught passes. We're not going to talk about it because I think the rotation in this game is kind of meaningless as far as it goes as a receiver, but I do want to quickly just name all the dudes that caught passes because it's pretty amazing. Parker Washington, Harrison Wallace, Amari Evans, Khalil Dinkins, Mitchell Tinsley, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Katron Allen, Caden Saunders, Tyler Warren, Jaden Dotton, Devin Ford, Brenton Smith, Liam Clifford, Malik Mega, Kevon Lee, Tank Smith, Nick Singleton. That is so cool. Like I, I think I saw something that was like there were multiple Penn State seasons in the last you know 20, 25 years where not even seventeen guys have caught passes the entire season. Like that is unreal. And I, it, I'll save, I'll save it for the next point. Here. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. <clears throat> Elephant in the room, and I think Matt and I have a little bit of a disagreement here. So this should make this interesting.
1: Oh, We for sure have a disagreement.
0: <laughs> Sean Clifford and Drew Aller both played in this game. Sean Clifford started obviously 19 of 27, 213 yards, uh, one touchdown. QBR, uh, I'm not going to read QBR, I think that's a worthless stat. Drew Aller, six of eight, 88 yards, two touchdowns, and then Christian Vayer, just for just for measure, good measure. Christian Vayer, six of seven, 37 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. There is going to be a lot of talk this week on the internet and. Every week going forward, as long as both Sean Clifford and Drew Aller remain on the Penn State roster, about who should be the starting quarterback for James Franklin's Nittany Lions, I am very much of the opinion that I don't think there is a good reason to remove Sean Clifford from the starting role right now. I think you disagree, and I'm going to let you start and explain why.
1: It's time. I think. Auburn is should be and again this is just one guy's opinion I'm just a dude who used to work for a website which is now a podcast (laughs) I think this should be the last game Sean Clifford starts Penn State has made it through if they get through Auburn their first two road tests of the year against power five opponents Sean Clifford's Biggest asset to this team is his experience in those environments. They're through it. Ours, a better quarterback. I, I will crown him after. What did he have? How many throws? Was it uh, six eight of eight this week. Yeah, after six after of eight throws So 12 throws in his college career. Um, he throws the ball different. He is a different level of quarterback. And I think if you. Tell Sean Clifford, we appreciate everything you've done. This was your extra year of eligibility. This was always a possibility. Clifford has been replaced in each of the past two seasons. This has been something that we have experience doing. I think you let Clifford start at Auburn. I think you pass the sticks to Drew Aller. You let Drew Aller get the reps against Central Michigan. You let him get the reps against Northwestern. You then let him get a bye week of reps with the ones. And I think... From what I've seen so far, from the entire Sean Clifford experience and the limited Drew Aller experience, Drew Aller gives you the best chance to go in to the big house and beat Michigan on October 15th. So that's a hot take. And again, a lot of this maybe could be – it's new and it's exciting. And I've often said the thing I love about college football is that it keeps it it fresh. But I think the more we watch Drew Aller – the more afraid I am that we're heading towards a situation like Georgia had, where they had Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. And Jake Fromm didn't do anything to lose that job. Fields was better, and the collective college football world made fun of Kirby Smart. If we think back, JT Barrett and Dwayne Haskins, would Ohio State fans have rather had that final year of JT Barrett or another year of Dwayne Haskins, a guy who rewrote that entire program's single season record book, because that's all we got to see of him. I think we could be headed towards that. And I don't want to add the extra year of Sean Clifford versus another year of Drew Aller to that story of college football teams that want to win a national title. So that's where I stand right now. And, and I think, I don't think we're going to see much of Aller against Auburn. I think we could definitely see him play, but I think we're going to see a lot more of him uh, against Central Michigan and maybe even against Northwestern who just lost to Duke at home. So this isn't going away. And and if this is going to be a distraction all season, and and I get where the ones creating the distraction and I don't, you know, I'm sure that team is always super focused, but this has to be something we address. I, I don't want this to become a situation where we miss out on a year of Drew Aller because Sean Clifford didn't do enough to lose the starting job. Cause frankly, we've seen him lose the starting job before. And there's no reason to think that Drew Aller can't elevate the team to a level. Sean Clifford, uh, can at least match.
0: I will admit that was a persuasive argument. Thank you. I appreciate. Yeah. I was, was a comm about,
1: major, not even poli sci
0: that that was persuasive. Um, <laughs>
1: What was, was, it the, was it the Justin Fields, Jake Fromm point?
0: <laughs> A little bit, maybe. Um, yeah, I knew it was. Um, all right, so here's the thing. One, I... Boy, the, the Fromm thing is really... It's really eating at me now Now that I'm trying to... Is it not similar? Clifford. It, is, it, is, it is fairly similar. Um, I,
1: think, I think it's different because Clifford's gone after this year anyway. Like Kirby at least had the excuse of Jake Fromm could still develop.
0: Right, so that's the big difference as far as just comparing those situations is that you know Kirby is you know legitimately still thinking about next year. Although should he have been thinking about the five-star quarterback for next year? Yeah, probably. I so I'll, I'll preface this by saying I think that we perhaps as early as next week against Auburn, I don't think we are necessarily far away from a situation where we could see two drives for Clifford, two drives for Aller. Like, back, back, and back, and back, and back like that. Like, I don't think that is something that's off the table. I just... Like, the thing is, Sean Clifford played really well this week. Like, really well. Through two of what I would maybe say are the best passes of his collegiate career. One, the touchdown to Mitchell Tinsley that he just threaded... Through the souls of two defenders. And then, two, Jaden Dotton did drop the pass, but it was, I believe it was like a third and 16 or something like that, through an absolute dime to Jaden Dotton that he just couldn't reel in between three different defenders around him, but none of them were close enough to disrupt the play. Like that was a ball Jaden Dotton should have caught. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I like, you know, very informal. Maybe the two best throws of Sean Clifford's collegiate career. And I don't think that he has like I don't think that he's, you know, running out of gas here. Like I think he still has a lot left in the tank. And I think he can still be really valuable as what he was this week. Like I think he offers a ton of value to this Penn State team. I think he has a good grasp on the offense. I think he has a obviously more experience than Drowler, but I think he has a Bit better understanding of you know different types of defenses that he'll see. He's seen this Auburn defense already. Like that is a that is a boon. That is an important thing to understand. Different DC, different DC, but you know mostly same personnel. Um, Well, unfortunately, no smoke Monday. Smoke Monday was awesome. Now he's off to the NFL. Um, I just. I I have trouble saying that it is now time to move on from him when I, I just don't think he's done anything that would require him to lose the job. I think the scenario you laid out is really interesting, and I think a really natural place to potentially make the change would be following the bye week. The problem is that that game's at Michigan. And that's oh all-
1: I. W- oh, I- I don't think after the bye week I think after Auburn.
0: Yes, I, I, know, I know the scenario you laid out was a little different. But in my mind, I'm thinking like, you know, if they're alternating more and more and more as time goes on, then you have the benefit of the bye week to kind of work through things and really see where you're at. But the problem is that you're going to Michigan. And I think that is an unfair spot to make the change cold turkey like that. But I just, I, I can't, I can't, and I know this is going to make me very unpopular with our YouTube commenters who are, by the way, Thank you for all of you that commented on the videos. It's a lot of fun talking and interacting with you. We absolutely adore yeah, that. Yeah, those please, are great. Please discussions keep doing it. Down there, it. this will make me not popular with them. But I just, I, I just don't. I can't bring myself to say that it is time to make this change yet. When he just has, I don't think he's done anything aside from the pick six, which he then made up for with the game winning drive. I just don't think he's done anything right now to lose the job. And if you want to pull, pull back and look at last year the second half of last year when he was injured he wasn't getting the job yeah he was definitely not getting the job done like that was not that that play was not good enough to be the quarterback of Penn State but as long as he is healthy and able to move at full speed, we finally saw him run a little bit this week by the way my over over, over under 15 and a half ended up being brilliant because he ended up 14. Nice. I just I, I have a i just <laughs> and it, like it's hard for me to even say because i I am in complete it's, it's agreement. I am Jake in complete agreement. Fields. that Drew Aller is the more talented player and has the infinitely brighter future and is probably right now a better football player. And, and what yet, are we I'm, talking about and yet I'm here arguing the Sean Clifford. And it, for me, it just comes back to experience. For me, like I think against better defenses, I, get, I I don't think this game would have gone as well for Drew Aller against a better defense, like Auburn's defense. I don't think he does what he did this week. Like a team that has yeah, a team that's better at disguising coverages, a team that has secondary, members in the secondary that are better at reading quarterbacks. I don't think he's able to do what he did this week. And I think Sean Clifford is better equipped to deal with those teams and those situations right now. I think the best, and I, obviously this conversation is going to mostly happen this week because of what we just saw. I think the better time to talk about this is following the Auburn game.
1: All right, two quick things, and then we can move on. Um, We talked about Michigan. Michigan, let's zoom out. Let's see if we can think about this differently if we take out the team that we follow really closely. We covered for a long time out of the equation. Sure. Michigan, Cade Cade McNamara, J.J. McCarthy. Why is J.J.? He's going to start this week against UConn. Also, Michigan, good for you for making your non-conference as easy as possible. I think more teams should do it. Um, If you just want to keep riding the high of your big 10 title as long as possible and this lets you do it good for you um why did mccarthy not start game one and why did mcnamara start game
0: one because jim harbaugh is a weirdo that's why
1: why is he a weirdo is it because (sighs) mcnamara has the experience
0: and hasn't done anything to lose the job all right so i I think the difference here is that Okay, JJ McCarthy. JJ McCarthy made some pretty significant mistakes last year, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't. I think that makes this a little different. Okay, that's fair.
0: It's like I don't. I don't think it's a one-to-one scenario. I understand the point you're making, though. Um, And I can very easily understand why anybody, literally anybody else, looking at the situation from the outside is like, "What? What are we even talking about here? Like, why is it not Drew Aller? Like, what are we doing?"
1: I've, I've come to that. I've come to that.
0: I listen, I get it. I, I totally get it. It's by the time this is over, I'm going to be talking myself into the other way. Um, I'm
1: going to, I'm going to convince you right now with this last point. (laughs) Okay. Go for it. You, you said, you said you care about the experience of Sean Clifford. That's the most valuable thing.
0: Okay. Yep.
1: The last three Penn state starting quarterbacks their, in my opinion, best season was their first year as a starter. Hackenberg 2013 best season as a starter his true freshman season McSorley's first year as a starter best year in my opinion was 2016 you could say it's 17 I think 16's offense as a whole didn't have as many dangerous weapons as 17 that was a better McSorley job overall in my opinion Sean Clifford 19 first year as a starter unquestionably his best season as Penn State starting quarterback the last three Penn State quarterbacks All had their best season be their first time as a starter. I'm not saying experience doesn't matter, but I don't think it tells the full story. And if we go back the past decade of Penn State football, it is not part of that story in a very positive way.
0: So here's the good news. One, (laughs) we're
1: going to talk about this for 45 minutes. (laughs) We're going
0: to talk about this for well. This will probably be the mid main. You and I are going to text. You're
1: going to text me. You and I are texting. You're going to text me about this this week.
0: (laughs) So first of all, one. The nice thing here is that I don't think Drew Aller is going anywhere. Even if Sean Clifford starts the rest of the season, Drew Aller came here for Mike Yursich. Yeah, of course. And Sean Clifford is not here next year, no matter what he wants. You know how many NIL companies he starts, he's not here next year. Drew Aller is going to have the significant inside track on being the starting quarterback next year. So in that regard, in the end, he's still going to be here next year. The other positive here, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to push myself into the debate any further. Here, I think the other positive here is that I, the nice thing. I don't think Penn State has a bad option here. Like, I think they are well off with either yeah. one of these guys playing quarterback. Like, may, is the ceiling higher with Drew Aller? Very, very possibly. Is the floor higher with Sean Clifford? Very, maybe, possibly. Like, I, I don't, I can't speak confidently in either direction there but I think both guys offer you different things. And I think both guys are safe and attractive options for different reasons. So I don't think there is a bad answer, which is actually why I think we could potentially see a rotation starting here.
1: That's a rotation for rotation's sake. uh,
0: Listen, I know. I know. I know. Is the Big Ten more
1: open this year than we thought, yes or no, than we expected it to be?
0: uh, I mean, I want to say yes. I want to say yes because Ohio State hasn't looked like unbeatable, but I feel like in the in the last but in the last few years, like even even when they've been like engaged in blowouts, like Ohio State never—I don't think they ever really start as fast as we think they're going to. Like I think that's just kind of been their thing. So I'm not comfortable saying that they are definitely worse than last year, and I'm not sure that's true. Especially preseason, we thought they were going to be better. And I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. sure I've seen anything that would make me back off of that necessarily. So I am not, I'm not, I don't know if I can say that it's necessarily more open. I think Michigan looks pretty good. I think Michigan State looks pretty good. I think Penn State looks pretty good. Maryland Rutgers and Indiana are what they are. But that doesn't change the calculus here. 2 and so
1: across, I, is every Big Ten East team undefeated? Yeah. Yes. Sweet. Yeah. Good for the Big Ten East.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Side note: Fascinated about this Michigan State Washington game next week. If it wasn't, I, I'm I have to see what time it is. I might I might try to head up there and go. That'd be a
1: night one, yeah, the night cap.
0: I might. I know Holly doesn't want to go with me, but maybe I'll try to find someone else to go. So I, I'm not sure. I I don't think it's more open necessarily. I think it's about the same as we thought it was. Why do you th- do you feel differently?
1: Yeah, I think I think so for sure. Um, Michigan hasn't played anybody. Uh, Ohio State looks beatable. Um, Penn state never gets blown out by Ohio state and they get them at home. True. Like I'm not calling, yeah. I don't think that they're going to win that game, but again, that's weeks away. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, I think when we look back at it and, and I, I, I want to make, give a shout out to Stanley or um, one of our old writers are, is this a co-farmer Micah Parsons season? And with the benefit of hindsight, a couple years later, um, are we, happier that we got that extra year of koa farmer or would we have loved to have one additional year of micah parsons are we heading to the quarterback version of that i think yes
0: michael stanley famously non-reactive love you stanley Um, love you stan (laughs) uh, it's a fair question you know and it is something that we will certainly talk about more in the days to come um i mean hell we might as well just keep this quarterback conversation going as our midweek podcast topic of conversation this week we gotta Um, have
1: something else for the midweek but we can't do this
0: at the at the risk of reaching too far taking too much away from this game against a lower rung group of five team i think we should probably call it here penn state rolled this week they were supposed to roll this week they did that's great moving on two and oh going to auburn next week we'll get ready to talk about it in the coming days um We'll have a lot to talk about, like we've been doing. We'll be back for a midweek pod. We'll be back for our preview Wait, pod. Game balls. Oh, game balls. Sorry. Yes. Who's your first one?
1: Um, you start us off. Go offense, defense, okay. and uh, and then a, offense, kind of a wild card, special teams. I don't know what you want to call it.
0: I think it's obvious. Nick Singleton. Um, ten carries, hundred seventy nine yards, seventeen point nine yards per carry, two touchdowns, long of seventy. I do think, you know, the last long touchdown run, I think is something that I I would like to know. I would love to be able to ask him the question of did he bounce it outside because he knew he had it or because he thought he needed to? Because against better teams, you better believe third and one like that, you better believe he better be burrowing through that hole and just getting the first down instead of trying to beat a defensive back on the edge. Still, though. Looked fantastic. I, honestly, I think his first carry of the game was the one that impressed me the most. It went for about 12 yards, but he broke a couple tackles, wiggled through a hole. Like it, that was the Singleton I've been waiting to see. Obviously the burst We do have to bring up
1: that. What was that stat I shared with you today about uh, Singleton having the record for, um, what was it? Uh, this comes from uh, Rich Scarcella. Uh Singleton leads the nation uh, with ten and a half yards per carry right now. <laughs> oh yeah. An average of ten and a half and yards per carry. Right I now. mean, inflated a little bit, but still that factually true.
0: That's what happens. That what's, that's what happens when you nearly get 200 yards on 10 carries in a game. You know, that, that'll that'll happen for you. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's him for me. Pretty obvious. How about you?
1: Offensively, I'm going to give it to Sal Wormley uh, simply because mm. of that pole block that he had to see him move like that coming off an injury. And is he Penn State's best offensive lineman? I think Maybe. he is rapidly approaching that. Uh, And and for a guy I don't really think was on a lot of our radars before this spring when we really found out he was on pace to be a starter in 2021. So uh, offensive game ball for me goes to Sal Wormley.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Defensively, man, this is a tough one.
1: I think I'm going to... so many dudes played and nobody stood out on that side for me. Yeah,
0: I think I'm going to give it to... I think I'm going to give it to your boy. I'm going to give it to Hakeem because i I liked what I saw from him early. I think he did a really nice job of getting into the backfield um getting his arms up. I know he um he was at least close to i think that sack that Dixon got that um Zane Durant then cleaned up i I believe he was in there on that um but uh, you know first snap of the game he was in the quarterback's face like right away. I think that. Yeah, I think of any player on the defensive line, other than maybe PJ Mustafer, I think he might be the most important going forward just to be a consistent, reliable presence. Um, And with so much rotating, I don't think anybody really got a significant number of snaps in this game. So yeah, I'm going to give it to Hakeem Beeman.
1: Nice. Good for Hakeem. Love that dude. Uh, Defense, I I called him out because I wanted to make sure I got it in. I mean, Vanover, love what he's giving uh, them as as just an extra option coming off the edge. I think he's a really fun player. Uh, curious to see what his role looks like if we get Vilbert and Izzard back this week. So just he's good for a mean Vanover, man. That's a, that's some great plays by him.
0: Yeah. Um, wild card special slash teams. special teams. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Barney Amore, another average 49 yards per punt on his three punts, had perhaps the, the best punt bounce that I've ever seen in my life. Like that one punt bounced on like the half yard line, went straight up, then bounced again on the one, stayed in place again, and then was down. That is like some Johnny Hecker type stuff. Like that is not something that you normally see happen. Like that's not how a football is supposed to move. So I think it's gotta be him.
1: I'm going to give it to a Malik Mega for on that same play. There were some issues with this unit in coverage last week and, and knocking the ball in the end zone and mm-hmm. Mega outran the kick and was in the end zone. And he knew to reestablish himself in the field of play and down it at the one. And that directly led to the Amin Vanover safety. So shout out to Malik Mega and shout out to Dom DeLuca. Again, two nice tackles on kick return on kick coverage. Uh, I I loving what I'm seeing out of that kick coverage team so far. Not that many touchbacks, but they're setting offenses pretty far back. Like overall, it's been a it's been a net positive so far in terms of field position. So good for those guys.
0: I'm going to give my wild card game ball to a pair of dudes for one specific play. And I'm going to give it to Drew Aller and Amari Evans for that long touchdown throw. Just because that is the, the, the way that Aller threw that ball was the type of thing. No, we're not turning this into more Aller Clifford talk.
1: Nick, I'm <laughs> um, talking you into it.
0: The way that he threw that ball is exactly what you want. When you have a fast receiver on top of a safety and there's nothing, and there's nothing else behind him, the best thing you can do is just to lay it out. Don't try to put it in the bread basket. Just lay it out to a point where you know they can go get it. Like we know Amari Evans can outrun anybody that he's up against. Just put it somewhere where he has the chance to run under it. And that's exactly what he did. Beautiful throw, beautiful play.
1: Yeah, I think I talked you into it. <laughs> you, you're more into it than you were when we started this podcast. And my, Who is my your wild was card
0: game ball, Matt?
1: Khalil Dinkins. Good for him. I, I, for a guy who the staff really liked as a defensive prospect to see him go out there, take advantage of Theo Johnson being out and catch a touchdown pass. That was a cool moment. Uh, also cool to see a Pennsylvania, uh, native Pennsylvanian uh, go out there and make a play. So I don't think there's very many people from the Lehigh Valley on the roster right now, which is always a bummer because we had Jahan, we had Saquon, uh, we have Sandra Sahadek. And then I know there's a, there's a concrete kid on the roster. Um, his first name is forget, uh, escaping me. Uh, Sharga. I knew his brother, uh, who played at Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out, shout out the Northampton Concrete Kids, and forgetting the, forgetting the fellow Concrete Kid on the roster at Penn State. That's always pretty cool as a walk on.
0: And with that, I think that's a good place to cut it off before we inadvertently dive into any more Drew Al or Sean Clifford talk for today. Like I said, we will be back for our midweek podcast. We will be back for our Auburn preview. Um, hopefully, we'll, we sh- I, I think we have plans to find someone from Auburn to break down that game, so that should be fun. Um, if you are not following and subscribed to the podcast already on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen, please make sure you go ahead and do so. And if you have the time to do so, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you have a question, please leave it with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and we'll happily, happily answer it, whatever you, you know, comment, question, whatever it is on the pod. Um, Also, please make sure you're following us on YouTube. Like we mentioned before, we did our uh, YouTube pregame show again this week. It was a lot of fun. We had um, a couple guys that were in the comments that were, you know, gave us a lot to talk about. It was fun interaction. Great, great to, uh, great to talk with them, you know, virtually, I guess if you want to call it talking to them. Uh, But it was a lot of fun. We'll continue. We'll do that again this week. Um, it'll be a little easier, especially for me, because it'll be a little later in the day. Um, if you have not had the chance to do so already, visit Homefield Apparel. Use our code RoyalLinesRoar for fifteen percent off. And with that, I think we're about good. Matt, any final thoughts? That's
1: all I got. Uh, looking forward to uh, to heading to Auburn. Penn State's ranked again. I I think if they can go out there and get their second win on the road against a Power Five opponent. That's, uh, that's one of the best resumes in the country. They're not going to get any respect yet because you have to earn it still coming off of those seasons, but they're, uh, they're working their way up.
0: Yes, we have to earn that respect for the imaginary rankings that hold absolutely no significance whatsoever. But, you know, that's, it is what it is. College football, that's how <laughs> it works. Um, <laughs> like I said, we'll be back later in the week. Looking forward to talking to you more about this upcoming Penn State schedule and more quarterback controversy debates, I'm sure. For my co-host, Matt Filipovitz. I'm Nick Polak. Thanks for listening. Go State.
1: Go State.